I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 295. Okay, so when you're listening to this, no, but I'm going on a cruise with Tiffany, okay? Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> but in order to do that, I needed to get myself a little ready, okay? So I went to like a hair design like school. A, like a beauty school. Yeah, and they have like lower cost facials. Manicures, pedicures. This is going to be a long episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My brain is not working, but I'm so glad that you can fill in the blank. You are my own Mad Gab or whatever it is. Mad Libs. Yeah, what else? Call me Taylor Swift. Fill the blank. Uh, the ba- oh, blank space. Yeah. Okay, bye. God. Okay. <laughs> but so I went there for a mani petty. So we're doing it. And the girl that I had, amazing. We're talking all the things. And she's painting my toenails. And I was like, um, don't mind my crumb on my toe. Because, you know, my little toenail is so little. She was like, I wasn't going to say anything. But that is the smallest toenail <laughs> I have ever seen. And she was like, they say I have little toenails. They ain't seen nothing yet. And so another girl who was doing a manicure that had gotten finished she was like come here and look at this toenail and she said good god how did you get something on there is it just on the skin (laughs) my god we were laughing so hard i was like that's why i call it a crumb because the nail is nothing it's so little like whenever i would paint her toenails i would just like dot 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 Oh, God, but we were cracking up because I just love it because she's like, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> and I was like, no, I know. I know. <laughs> but she was doing my manicure and she was like, your nails are perfect, though. Like, they're the perfect shape naturally. And I was like, what? It has to make up for that toenail. <laughs> I was like, my feet? No, 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 no. Who knew you could be a hand model? Well, besides all the wrinkles and all the other things. But, oh, you know. I know. I want to go there for a facial because, I mean, it's like $20 instead of, I don't know, have like 100 you know? Yeah. But they're not open on the weekends. I think we've talked about this before because I was like, dang, I want to go, but they're not open on the weekends. Yeah. I'm very lucky that I have off on Fridays and I was able to do it because it's awesome because it's cheaper, but then also you're helping them with their clinical hours and everything. Well, and they're going to do a better job because they're being graded and it's their first time or not. Well, maybe not the first time, but like they're going to be more meticulous. Yeah. It's awesome. Always hop it up in there. Really? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. One day I'm just gonna have to take a day off and go pamper myself. Yes. For like ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> right? Though, but then like you can tip them in cash, you know, like after and stuff. So it's like even with tip, it's less than what you would go to at another yeah. place. So if y'all are on a budget, try to look around and see if there's any student ran things like that. Well, I guess it's not student run, but you know what I mean. Schools, first of all. Well, even like our uh, junior college, the dental hygiene program does like teeth cleaning every couple of like, well, I don't know how often they do it, but they do teeth cleaning for practice for, I think it's like $20. Like $20 because I've been there too. (laughs) Yeah, but they do Mm x-rays and the director of the program is a dentist. So you get a full dental exam. Yeah. And then if you have problems, they'll give you your x-ray, like they'll give you all your stuff so you can go to a dentist to like have a cavity filled or whatever you need. Yeah. Now that does take a long time because they are so meticulous, but it was totally worth it too. Well, while Donna's getting pampered and going on vacation, we had a damn leak in our shower. You just didn't want me to be on the water by myself. There you go. Well, okay. So our water heater has this thing, I think it's called a recycler. Basically, it just keeps the water hot all the time. So literally you could touch my toilet bowl and it would be hot because the water's hot. So Colby thinks that 
having that hot water in the pipes all the time mess up the pipes. Needless to say, we unplugged the bitch. But we had to cut part of the wall out in our primary bedroom because we had to get to, like, you couldn't just replace, like, the shower head and the nozzle. You literally had to do it from the back. So that way we didn't have to, like, crack tile. We're just breaking through freaking sheetrock. Yeah. So while we're doing it, I'm going to paint. You know, because obviously we got to cover the hole. But it was so funny watching Colby cut this hole out because I would have just been like, okay, four holes, pull it out, right? Yeah. No, Colby's like measuring. He's got his level. So he makes sure that the line's straight. And like, I would have basically had a triangle. (laughs) Yes. And been like, cool, perfect. And he's like, to the decimeter. I don't know what that is. What? Made that word up. But like, to the, like, the nth of an inch, you know, that he's yeah. got it right. And it's all straight across and, like, this perfect rectangle. That's going to be amazing when y'all do paint it and all of that. Because when if, we, if it was just me and you, we would have had to do a lot more. Yes. Now, painting, Colby is not a painter. This is going to be a hot fucking mess. No, I'm just saying because it is straight across and all oh, of that, yeah, like, yeah. you're not going to have to. Yeah, the sheetrock is going to be easier to yeah. fix. But... Our bedroom is, what color is that? Because it's the same color as your front door. Mm-hmm. I had it first. You did. <laughs> but it's like a dark green gray. Yeah. And our furniture's dark. And my house has zero fucking lighting. And so I'm over this like dark, gloomy bedroom. I want light and airy. Yeah. All of your furniture is dark and Yeah, there. because it didn't used to be. Like my, because we bought a bed like three years ago. And so... God, it's been three years? Yes. So the headboard, you know, mine used to be like a cloth headboard that Donna and I made over a weekend one time. Oh, Lord. Years ago. It was awful. Hey, it it served its purpose. It did. It lasted, but it was awful. I mean, she probably paid more for that headboard than she did the whole bed that she (laughs) bought with Colby because we went back and back and back to Home Depot. So with gas, all the little things we had to buy. Remember I burnt up a drill and I took it back and I was like, this drill doesn't work. Uh, Turned out you're supposed to use a drill bit to start the hole first. Burnt up a whole drill. Oh, we are not DIY people. No. So I've got my eye on this color called Swiss Coffee. It's by Benjamin Moore, I think. But it's like a creamy white. I think that's what I'm going to go with. Love that. And we're trying to get rid of some furniture in there. Like, I just need space. Like, I have too much shit. I'm starting to feel, like, suffocated. Yeah. You do have big furniture. Yes. And my bedroom's not... I mean, it's a big bedroom, but it's not big. Yeah, no, it's big, but it's just, like, it should feel bigger, but it doesn't. Right, because you have this... Like, my bed is just this huge, dark, wood bed with, like, a headboard and a footboard. Yeah, and it's a king-size bed, so, I mean, it's huge. Yeah, because... We're big. Okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, though, fixing that damn shower cost about a whole lot more than that damn headboard, though. Oh, Lord. Who knew that replacing a damn shower was that much expensive? Because it's just like the mechanisms of it. You know, like I didn't like redo it. Like we literally just replaced the mechanisms of it. Yeah. Jeez. We're old and we're those people. Like nothing is cheap anymore. Well, not even cheap, but just like. Inexpensive. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I'm trying to redo a bedroom in this economy. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm like, well, we had to, you know. Yeah. But like while we're at it, we got to cover the hole. So, I mean, we may as well just paint. Yes. Also, this will be the first time I've left Marley at a Borders 
like in years. Yeah, she's gonna be great. I I know, but she's old now, and she's been barking at night, you know, yeah. and stuff. And so I'm just like, oh god. Well, just make sure you tell them that. I, too. I will. Yeah, and I did ask them because she has some incontinence right now, and so she's taking this pill. Well, it's a chewable pill, but you know, Marley, mm-hmm. she doesn't do anything. It could be meat and cheese flavor. She doesn't want it, but so I have to wrap it in cheese. And I asked them. I was like, uh, I have to wrap her medication in cheese. And they're like, oh, yeah, we got a refrigerator. We'll do it. Jax is like that. Um, there's this like anti-inflammatory that Bo used to take a lot. And Jax was limping on his little foot. I think it's arthritis. So I was going to give him one of Bo's old pills. And it's like a flavored, chewable, like dogs love it. And Jax is like, turns his nose up at it. I'm like, you eat everything. What the fuck? You eat glass ornaments. Yes. I'm like, now you're fucking picky. Right? That's wild. Yeah. Cause Bo, that was a treat for him. Yes. Like I'll even just like throw it for him to have to catch it to get him to just eat it. Cause you know, he eats people food like that too. Like he eats everything you put down for him yes. and he catches it and spits it out. Oh Lord. I'm like this motherfucker. But yeah. I started giving him, um, the like supplement that, Bo used to take this for your joints and all. Yeah. Hopefully that helps. I don't know why. He just was so young and agile when we got him that I forget. He's like four and a half now. Like he's, yeah. for a bulldog, he's, you know, middle age. Like he needs this now. And I, I don't know. I just, I feel so bad. I'm like, he was just so young and agile when we got him. I didn't think anything up, you know? Yeah. But we've had him for two years now. Gosh. Well, I'm going to bring Marley's, because they got new beds and stuff. It looks really nice, but I'm going to bring her pink uh, cover that she loves to mm-hmm. lay on and lots of food, her medicine, cheese, and two toys that she likes. She probably won't eat much while she's there. Jax and Bo never did. Yeah, she doesn't eat a lot, but I do have that Jinx. That, that's the food. Like, I still have that from when we did the first ad. And she loves that salmon topper. That mm-hmm. So I'm bringing that too. They're going to be like, good God. She's here for a week, y'all. Yeah, and she's very important to me. So, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm so nervous just because she's older. Yeah. And so I'm just like, oh my gosh. That doesn't mean that I don't want to yell at her when she's barking at night. And I'm like, Marley. But every dog out there barks and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, she'll be barking at nothing. I turn on the light outside and she comes right in. And I'm like, what were you doing? And she'll just be asleep. And then she'll just like, wake up, go outside. Right. Jax does that at night. He'll just be in a dead sleep and he'll just like jump up and out the doggy door. And I'll be laying in bed and I'll jump 10 feet off that bed, scared to death. And then like, He'll be out there, bark for just a couple seconds, come back in, and then he'll come into the bedroom and lay on his bed in the bedroom. Yeah, what the heck? I don't know if it's like a dream. I don't know. I have no idea, but Marley now has barked herself like where she'll keep doing it, and then she's like, I'm like, (laughs) girl, calm down, get you some water, and lay down. Like, you're doing this to yourself. So if y'all know any, like, CBD supplements or anything like that to help calm her at night because she's not afraid of anything Mm -hmm. like she's been perfect and now she's like must bark for hours at night oh my god speaking of marley uh she's never looked cuter than in the picture that one of the listeners drew and it's me and carrie carrie as a bride of frankenstein me as a zombie and there's little marbu and she's like dressed like kind of like dracula beside me and i'm the zombie and i'm like I'm a zombie, but I want cock, not brains. And I love that she's like, hee hee. Like she put that because that's so me. I laugh at all my stuff, but I don't take a breath. I needed to take a breath, y'all. Thank you so much, Rose, for making that because it's so cute. Did you see I'm holding the Frankenstein too? Yes. So cute. 
Well, because the initial one, this one's like the finished product, but the initial one, there was like a Frankenstein in the back. And I was like, it was just so cute because that's so Colby, mm-hmm. like just in the back, like, hey, I'm supportive, but I'm over here. It said, wifey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, love that. It's crazy how much y'all really do get to know us and our personalities. And I don't know, you just don't think about that kind of stuff sometimes. And it's like, wow, no, y'all really do know us. Yes. I mean, whether you want to or not, (laughs) we am who we am. (laughs) All right, before we get into this episode, we got to talk about real paper because it is really back and Donna is really excited. I mean, me too. Duh. Y'all, I really do tell everyone I can about how much I love real paper. The toilet paper is made of bamboo. You know, we've talked about it so many times. And what else do we talk about? That it's delivered straight to your door. You don't have to go anywhere. But if you want to, you can find it at places like Target. And so you can buy it only once if you want to. You wanna try it out or you can have a subscription like me because uh, everyone needs something to wipe their booty with and why not have the best toilet paper on the freaking planet? Yeah, and if you want to just purchase it one time, you can also do that from their website. It doesn't have to just be subscription-based. And she's not lying. Like, literally, in one of our group chats, somebody's like, what toilet paper do y'all use? And I was like, real, 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 real. (laughs) I love it so much. It really is great. It's soft. It's durable. It's not going to leave residue. And it's pretty good for the environment. Yeah, I mean, that should be like the number one thing. But let's just be real for me. It's leaving the residue. I want something to clean my doo-doo, but not leave the residue. Okay. And like Donna said, all orders are conveniently delivered to your door with free shipping in 100% recyclable, plastic-free packaging. With Real, you don't feel like you're sacrificing something to help the earth, though. It really is an upgrade. Real's partnered with One Tree Planted, and with every box of Real that you buy, they're funding reforestation efforts across the country. So unlike other toilet paper that cuts down trees, Real is actively helping to plant them. We love that it comes individually wrapped because it looks very chic. It comes wrapped in like a grayish, blackish wrapping with an R stamped on it. So it looks very shishy. It really does. And Carrie cut me off before I wanted to say, you can thank me for a lot of trees being planted because... They can thank you? You know, I can't say words correctly. That's how she says thank. She says think. Yes. From the very beginning, I've never stopped. (laughs) I am addicted to it. Well, if y'all want to get addicted to this real good toilet paper, head on over to realpaper.com slash creep and sign up for a subscription using the code creep at checkout and you're automatically going to get 30% off your first order. And as always, free shipping. So again, that's realpaper, R-E-E-L paper.com slash creep. Enter promo code creep to get 30% off your first order and free shipping straight to your door. So let's make a change for good this year and switch to real paper. Real is the paper for the planet. Go to realpaper.com slash creep and use promo code creep for 30% off your first order. Y'all, we got to talk about HelloFresh because they are back. Y'all know how much we love it. Donna and I have been using HelloFresh since long before they became advertisers on this podcast. With the holidays right around the corner, HelloFresh can take the stress out of making dinner by delivering everything you need to cook up tasty meals right to your door. You're already cooking for potlucks and Thanksgiving and work parties and family parties and this and that and baking and all the things. And when it comes down to just you having dinner, you don't want to have to think about it. 
That's where HelloFresh comes in. At work, they were like, what would be one dish you would take to a party? Like, hands down, what you're going to do. And everyone was listing off things. And I was like, paper plates and napkins. But with HelloFresh, I could whip up something in as quick as 15 minutes. With HelloFresh, you get to choose from 45 weekly recipes and over 100 curated picks from the HelloFresh market. The recipes are seasonal, so you always know that you're getting the freshest ingredients because the ingredients travel from the farm to your door. So again, you know that it's fresh. And now HelloFresh is like, hello, we are more than just the delicious dinners. We do breakfast, quick lunches, snacks, all of the good good. I mean, they have you covered completely. And if you know anything about me, you know I love a snack. And I am a snack. You a whole buffet. Who wants seconds? (laughs) With HelloFresh, you can decide between quick and easy meals, family-friendly, vegetarian. There's a whole array of different meal choices to fit you and your family. Whether you're a family of one or a family of five, you can pick different meal sizes based on your needs. So right now, if you go to HelloFresh.com slash creepfree and use code creepfree, you are going to get free breakfast for life. That's one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. That's literally a free breakfast for life at HelloFresh. So again, go to HelloFresh.com slash creepfree. That's F-R-E-E because you're getting one breakfast item free per box while your subscription is active for life. So go to HelloFresh.com slash creepfree and use the promo code creepfree for that free breakfast. And breakfast really is my favorite meal. Same. Okay, for this story, we're going across the pond. So picture it. Hammersmith, England, 1803. So Hammersmith is really hard for me to say because I want to say Hammerschmidt. I don't know. I think because like Jingle Heimerschmidt. Yeah. So if y'all don't know that, that's his name and my name too. (laughs) (laughs) Did you write that down? No. I actually didn't, but I wish I did. But seriously, uh, Hammersmith is a small parish that is west of London. So when this takes place, it's November through December. So it's cold, it's dreary, it's all the things. And even though most people would be preoccupied with holiday stuff, the residents of Hammersmith were too scared to think about holiday shindigs. There was a ghost on the loose and no one was safe. Now, who was this ghost? It's thought to be the ghost of a man who died by suicide the year before. Because back in the day, you know, if you died by suicide, you couldn't be buried on consecrated ground, aka the church's cemetery. But this man was buried in the church's cemetery. And it's thought that if that happened, the person's soul was in eternal turmoil because, you know, they committed like a cardinal sin and then was buried on holy ground. Apparently, if someone died by suicide, you would bury them at like a crossroads. Meanwhile, I wonder if that came about because I really don't know where that's anywhere in the Bible, but which I could be wrong. I'm not like a Bible scholar, but I wonder if that was a belief because they were trying to preserve the population. And so it was like, they didn't want people, like people already died so early in life, you know, before. And so was it a way to like keep people alive, Mm, you know? Yeah. Put the fear, like make them fearful of not going to heaven or they can't be buried with their family, that kind of thing. Yeah. I never thought about that, but it probably was. Well, 
This guy, his spirit was seen multiple times around the village, but mostly around the churchyard and the street that, you know, was like right in front of it. There was an elderly woman and a pregnant woman who both claimed they had seen the ghost at different times. And they both said it was a tall figure cloaked in white. And it scared them so badly that their bodies basically went into shock and shortly after they both died. Like the pregnant woman said that she was walking and she saw this white figure, this ghost, and she ran. And as she ran from what she thought was a ghost, that white figure lunged at her and, you know, she kept running, but it caught up to her and it pinned her on the ground. And she said that like, she just felt like it was hugging her, but tight. And she blacked out after that. When you said that, all I could hear was pinned you again. Oh yeah, Lion King. But luckily some of her neighbors found her and they took her home. And while they were taking her home, you know, she was lucid enough to tell them what had happened but when she went back to bed she never woke up oh my god yeah so now other residents had claimed that they saw a tall white figure but some of them said no it had horns too and then some said it looked like a tall figure that was masked in a white cloth others say no it wasn't a cloth it was like the hide of an animal so you know you're having all of these different sightings and they kind of started to spiral into stories of people being attacked like i said with the pregnant woman and then there was a guy named Thomas Groom and he was a brewer's servant and he was walking through the churchyard and he was attacked. His exact quote was, I was going through the churchyard between eight and nine o'clock. I had my jacket under my arm and my hands in my pocket. When some person came from behind a tombstone, which there were four square in the yard behind me and caught me fast by the throat with both hands and held me fast. My fellow servant who was going on before heard me scuffling, ask what's the matter, then whatever it was gave me a twist around and I saw nothing. I gave a push out with my hand and felt something soft like a great coat. So what he's saying is that someone grabbed him you know from it was this person that came from the tombs and grabbed him while you know then like it's like I can't breathe and then you know he whips around and there's no one there but his friend heard the kerfuffle Half of the town was scared to go outside after dark at this point. But then the other half, they were like, we ain't afraid of no ghosts because it's a person in a white sheet or something. Like, y'all are being, in Carrie's word, bizarre. Like, this is ridiculous. So some people had started patrolling the areas. Now, this wasn't too out of the ordinary because at the time, Hammersmith really didn't have a police force. So certain citizens just kind of took it upon themselves to patrol. Now, one of the men who was this, you know, self-appointed patrolman, he saw a white figure and he started to chase the spirit. But that's when he saw the white figure stand super tall. But then the man noticed, oh, it wasn't standing super tall. It was a person under this long white cloth and they were running away. Now, the patrolman never caught the guy. So he was like, okay, we got to get this dude. So enter Francis Smith. He was a 29-year-old customs officer, and he kind of took matters into his own hands to save the parish from this vengeful spirit or whatever else it could be. Now, he was basically like, I volunteer as tribute to end this thing once and for all. So on January 3rd, 1804, so it started in November and now it's January, Francis went out with a gun and was determined to put an end to the ghost. 
And also remember, Francis worked as a a customs officer. So him having a gun wasn't out of the blue. And especially back then, it wasn't like, oh, this person has a gun. I mean, that was just like the thing you had, you know? Now, some people say they saw him at the local pub before going out, like kind of like, I don't know. I just feel like it's like gassed on and all of them. It's like, let's drink, let's cheers, let's do all the things. And then we're going to go kill the beast. (laughs) And it's like, maybe you shouldn't drink before that, but what else? But anyway, so he went out roaming the streets with that loaded gun. And we know that's not going to end well especially if he was at the pub before. So Francis is patrolling, gun cocked and ready, and lo and behold, he sees a tall white figure coming down the road. So he yelled at the figure to halt, but the figure kept coming. And so Francis yelled again for it to stop, but it just inched closer and closer. So Francis gave one more warning and is quoted as saying, damn you, who are you and what do you want? I'll shoot you if you don't speak. And then Francis aimed the gun and pulled the trigger. But when he shot that gun, the ghost didn't dissipate or anything like that. The ghost slumped to the ground with crimson red blood seeping out onto the white garment he wore. And it was at that moment that Francis knew it wasn't a ghost. It was a man. He had just shot a man. Now, That man was Thomas Millwood. He was 32 and a bricklayer. Now, he had been visiting his family when it was around like 11 p.m. He was like, you know, I bid you farewell and started to walk back home to his house. But the thing is, is he was still dressed in his work clothes, which consisted of white linen pants, a white waistcoat, and a white apron. And they were all, you know, really bright in the darkness and maybe mistaken by Francis to be like glowing because they were white. And also Thomas had been working, so he was kind of covered in white plaster too. Now, it wasn't far from Thomas's family's home, so he was walking back to his house for his, like, his wife's waiting on him. But Thomas's sister heard the gunshot and she went running. And by the time she reached her brother's body, there were other men there too. And like the constable came and Francis was arrested. The coroner said that the bullet went straight through Thomas's jaw and hit his spinal cord. So he died instantly. And you know, shit moved swiftly back then. So Francis was tried for murder a week after this. Francis pled not guilty, even though he did admit to shooting and killing Thomas, but his defense was that he didn't think it was a person. He was under the impression that he was shooting a ghost, and he was doing it out of protection for the whole community since they had been so scared and some had already been attacked. Now, the judge let them run with this defense, but he instructed the jury that they need to remember there is no gray area. Was it murder or nah? Like his direct quote was, however disgusted the jury might feel in their own minds about the abominable person guilty of the misdemeanor of terrifying the neighborhood, still the prisoner had no right to construe such misdemeanor into a capital offense or to conclude that a man dressed in white was a ghost. In this case, there is a deliberate carrying of a loaded gun, which the prisoner concluded that he was entitled to fire, but which he was really not. And he did fire with the rashness, which 
which the law does not excuse. In all circumstances of this case, no man is allowed to kill another rashly. Basically like, hey, you could be mad at the person who might have been the ghost terrifying the whole community, but he didn't deserve to die. Well, thank you for dumbing that down for me because I was like, there used some big words in there. What the, what are they saying? <laughs> yes, because that's what he means. Like as much ill will as this person who was just doing like a misdemeanor crime. Yeah. There's no reason for that to have been a capital offense now. Right, absolutely. Also, with that rashly part, Thomas's sister said that she heard him yell only once and say, like, who are you? What do you want? Talk to me or I'll shoot. And before her brother would even have the chance to say anything, he shot. So she was saying... I heard him yell and then I heard the gun go off. So there wasn't like he had said like, hey, who goes there? Hey, who goes there? And the guy never heard and just kept like coming at him. So that's what they're talking about there. Like you didn't give him a chance to say anything. You just were like, say something or I'll shoot. Click. Yeah. (laughs) You know, kind of like when I would do uh, counting for hide and go seek because I would be like one, two, three, seven, four, nine, ten. I don't know why I didn't count correctly there, but. Well, you still don't. So. <laughs> no, but it really would be like, you know, you do like a little bit and then, okay, let's go. Yeah. So the verdict came back and they basically said he was guilty, but he was only guilty of manslaughter. And the judge was like, no. We're not reducing it from murder to manslaughter. Y'all need to go back in there and deliberate more. How can the judge do that? Like, I mean, I know they can, but it's like, how can they just be like, no, I disagree with your findings, so go back. Yeah. Like, isn't that the whole point of the jury? (laughs) Yeah. So when they came back again, they had decided that he was guilty for murder. And that meant he was going to be hanged and rather quickly because remember, shit was fast as fuck, boy back then. But there was a lot of public outcry about this case. And so it made its way up the chain and Francis actually received a stay of execution. And then a few weeks later, Francis received his majesty's pardon. And so he was no longer sentenced to death, but instead one year of hard labor. Wait, so he went from a death penalty to, uh, you know what? The hard labor. Mm Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, and I think hard labor was basically one year in prison. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, we went from death Uh to one year. Yeah. So, something that came out of that trial, Thomas's wife, the one who was murdered, testified. And she said that she had pleaded with him to change his appearance. Like, hey, put on a coat. Do something because people are scared that there's someone in a white, you know, clothing that's a ghost. Like, people are really scared and they're going to do something really bad. You know, like when it gets to that point of that level of fear, people don't think rationally, you know? And he was like, I'm not doing that. Like I'm wearing my work clothes. I'm not whatever. But he had been mistaken for the ghost twice before. Now they didn't pull a gun on him. They were just like, hey, I think there was that ghost. And he, (laughs) Thomas, Thomas was a man of uh, not many words, but he was basically like, I'm no more of a ghost than you are. And the guy was like, <gasps> and he was like, do you want me to knock you in your head? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me why I could just see your dad doing I, that. Oh my God. I know. Right. I think it's because he had the drunk bat. Yeah, that little bat. Yeah. Yes. But so like he had been twice before mistaken as the ghost. But also if you're thinking this guy's like, I'm a fucking person. You can see I'm a person. It's not like he's got it covered over his head and stuff, but people were just so like hyper aware of everything. If Thomas 
was the person that people saw. Okay. But then, you know, some people said they were attacked and some people said they had seen someone with horns and they were wrapped in a white cloth and all of that. Like, was he really the Hammersmith ghost or was there someone else? And the plot thickens. Uh-oh. Much like Matthias. <laughs> oh my God. This is, again, a fucking tangent time. But at work, you know, we get like questions throughout the day on Slack. And one was like, what's a trend that you like hope never comes back? Um, And then like, what's one that you do? And I said, the windbreaker sets. I was like, thick thighs. And that material was not a friendly combination yeah like you couldn't be silent no you couldn't uh-uh but then i did say mood rings and like all the mood jewelry i wish that would come back um i hope that leggings never go away oh my god no right i don't know what size i'm in jean wise because leggings they expand and i wear scrubs for work so between leggings and scrubs <laughs> beats me Okay, so later, the local cobbler came forward, and his name was John Graham, and he admitted that he started dressing in a white cloth to pretend to be a ghost to scare some of his apprentices because they had scared his children. And get this, it was by them telling the children ghost stories. So John wanted to teach them a lesson and that he did. Like he really did scare them. And which I think is hilarious that like, you know, you like, ooh, we're going to scare these kids about ghosts. And then like they get scared by a person wearing a white cloth over them, you know, like what in the Scooby-Doo is going on here? But that just shows you like they were young too, you know, whatever. But John said that he only did that. He wasn't the one attacking anyone or anything like that. But no one else ever came forward. So we don't know. But they couldn't do anything to John Graham because there really wasn't any crime against it because he didn't do anything, even though what he started started this panic and led to someone being murdered. You know, so it was just so hard for the community because it's like, yeah, you didn't do anything, but you like started that, like you were like the marble, the domino that fell and all of this happened. But so he went on living his best life. And that seemed to be the last of the Hammersmith ghost, at least for a while. But then in 1824, there were some sightings of a figure in white. But this time, some people said they could breathe fire and stuff like that. But eventually, the stories died out completely. But the thing about this, it was actually a big deal for UK law. Because never before did they have any kind of like stand your ground defense, really. You know, that was the first time to say, no, I thought he was a ghost. I was scared for my life and I fired. Yes, I killed him, but I didn't mean to. I didn't think he was a person. You know what I mean? Okay, while I understand that defense, you shot at a ghost. Like, right in your head, if you really thought it was a ghost, like... The gun's not going to stop a fucking ghost. I know. Well, so they looked at it after this case because, again, like it went up to the king and then he pardoned him because he was like, yeah, he thought he was shooting a ghost. So it's fine, which it's not. But it kind of comes into that whole vigilante thing of, okay, he thought he was doing something good, but it was bad. And does he get punished for it or what? But in 1983, in Regina versus Williams, there is this man. I'm going to call him Man One. So Man One, he's walking along, okay? And he's kind of dragging this guy through the street. And he's like a younger guy, but not like a kid, like just younger than the Man One and Man Two. And 
the younger guy is yelling for help. So man one is like, holy shit, I see this going down. I've got to help. And so he starts beating man two, you know, and like to help this kid get away or not kid, but younger get away. Turns out that guy Man two, he was walking, saw the younger dude steal a woman's purse. So he ran him down, got the purse back, and then he was like apprehending him, you know, and that's why the guy was like, help, help. And then this bystander was like, I have to help. And without asking any questions, he just took it into his own hands thinking, I've got to help. Yeah. Well, so is he in the wrong? Is he in the right? Because like if it was the other way around, it'd be like, oh my God, he's a hero. Right. Absolutely. Well, because I mean, you're not going to be like, can I see some identification? Like, how do you know if someone's getting hurt? You're not going to be like, so tell me what happened here. How'd this all happen? How did y'all get here? Tell me, tell me what the, what's the story? Right. And anyone can lie, you know? So it's like, no one is just going to be like, oh yeah, I'm dragging this kid off to kill him. Like, you know what I mean? Like no one's going to say that, but it's so hard. And at this trial, it kind of came out that in the court's eyes, it was like when it comes to self-defense, whether you were mistaken or like that action should have been taken, it's got to be taken into consideration. And basically it's like, even if it's as unreasonable as the Hammersmith ghost and how you said like you're shooting a ghost, You have to take that into consideration of does the person truly believe that it was a ghost? Did that person truly believe that that kid was getting hurt by that man? Right. You know, and all of that. You have to kind of go on like their story, their testimony. It should be allowed to be relied on in court as a defense. Well, it's kind of like the Good Samaritan law here that like, let's say someone is in a car accident and you stop to help, you go to pull them out of their car, but they have a neck injury or a back injury and it causes like a spinal cord injury. Well, you were doing what needed to be done to save their life to pull them out so they can't sue you for their spinal cord injury because they were saving you from a vehicle you know yeah and if you're an attorney listening tell us if we're wrong yeah please but like it was just saying that even though like it didn't make that court change way back then it did play like that it was a precedent of what their laws are now yeah and i just thought that was so interesting that it was like a ghost quote unquote but we know it wasn't about the ghost but it was like this whole panic about this ghost that had the city you know in uproar that led to a murder i wonder how that guy felt about that now they did say he showed remorse and he wasn't like haha i killed the ghost like no he was no, like, no, no. sorry not that guy the guy that started this whole thing to trick those kids oh yeah no i don't know about that but yeah oh it seems like he definitely would that doesn't surprise me that he was remorseful yeah in a good way yeah there's of course a lot of stand your ground cases here in america with i mean it's not uncommon here right but i like this because it it's kind of goofy in the sense of these people because what happened like was it just this guy who was like i'm gonna dress up as a ghost and then people just started freaking out over that and then the whole manic panic happened you know or like was there something that happened before and then when he started dressing as a ghost and then others came up you know because you know how it is like even with the clowns you know when that happened where it was like one clown standing by like a 
interstate. And then it was like everywhere in America, there were people like dressing up as clowns doing this. And then it became a, oh my God, like if you see a clown, you know, run away, don't Mm -hmm. do anything, all of that. But it's just wild that like this guy who covered himself in like, I feel like a tablecloth. Right. You know, that's like, again, the Scooby-Doo of it really like, I don't know, just like it got so, it snowballed into so much because then who, I don't know if those other people had just thought something had happened to them. You know what I mean? Or if someone really did take it too far. Like maybe not the guy who started it, but then other people like the clowns joined in. Because people are messy. Uh Uh-huh. And then they took it too far. Because that's why you can't have nice things. For real. All right. Before we get into my story, we got to talk about Beam and the Beam Dream Powder. I can tell you one thing I'm packing to go on my cruise the Beam Dream Powder. Because sometimes when the boat's rocking, I'm not going to be able to sleep. Um, You might need to give it to your cabin mates with you sawing your damn logs. That's true. Look, it's going to be community property. Everyone can have some cocoa before bed. It'll be our little nightcap and then we'll all sleep soundly. But guess what? Because of Beam Dream Powder, we're not going to be groggy the next day. You're going to be able to get up and at them and enjoy your cruise. Because look... When you don't get enough sleep, it affects your mental and physical health and performance. So with the Beam Dream Powder, you're getting all of this good good. It's got reishi, magnesium, L-theanine, melatonin, and with or without nano CBD. And that's going to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Now we have the cinnamon cocoa flavor, which is amazing, especially because it's fall now. It's actually cold here. And that a warm cup of cocoa before you go to bed. Yes, please. But there's other flavors like sea salt caramel and chocolate peanut butter. When I tell y'all that I was knocked out with the Beam Dream Powder, I was knocked out. In the best way possible. Oh yeah, it was amazing. It was the best sleep. Did not freaking move. Stayed in one spot. Everything was just glorious. Didn't wake up and pee. Didn't shift in the bed because Colby shifted in the bed. Didn't like, didn't wake up at any time. Nothing. Nothing woke me up. I'm telling you, better sleep has never tasted so freaking delicious. All you have to do is mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir or froth your way into a better night's sleep. And if you want to be extra, if you do get the cocoa, you can just add a few little marshmallows too. That's not included. But again, if you want to be extra, be extra. For me, this worked so quickly too. Like I drank it and within you know, 10 or 15 minutes, I was like, all right, it's it's time to put me to bed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that time. Yeah. Well, and that's what's good though, because you drink it, it takes effect and you go to sleep because sometimes different things, like you take it and it's like an hour before it kicks in and it's like, well, crap, now I have to like, really plan out when I'm taking it and stuff. So find out why Forbes and the New York Times are all talking about Beam and why it's trusted by the world's top athletes. And if you want to try Beam's best-selling dream powder and get up to 40% off for a limited time, go to shopbeam.com slash creep and use promo code creep at checkout. That's shopbeam, B-E-A-M dot com slash creep. Use code creep 
at checkout for up to 40% off and better sleep. So sleep well, don't wake up groggy, and head on over to shopbeam.com slash creep and use promo code creep at checkout for up to 40% off. Y'all, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're super excited to have BetterHelp back because let me just tell you, it has really helped me. And in turn, it helped everyone else. <laughs> but before we get to Carrie's personal story about that, just know that we understand this time of year can be hard. We all have lost loved ones and, you know, people just feel really alone when everyone else is celebrating on, you know, social media and stuff and you're just like at home. I get it. And so seasonal blues, it's really a thing. So if you're feeling that way, try better help. You can do it from the comfort of your home, you know, whenever it's convenient for you. BetterHelp is super flexible. You fill out a brief questionnaire and that helps you get matched with a licensed therapist. And then with your therapist, you can do chat, you can do voice calls, you can do video calls. Through the chat, they can send you worksheets and things to do in between sessions. There's even group therapy options. BetterHelp is super convenient because I'm able to do it when I get off work. So I'm not having to take two or three hours out of my day, leave work, go to an office, wait in the waiting room for my turn, get seen, go back to work, clock back in, do all the things, I'm able to do it around my schedule. And I can message my therapist at any time. Because here's the thing, you know what you need to work on. Like in therapy, I would say something, I'm like, but I don't think that's a big deal. And my therapist is like, well, you telling me that? And especially you saying it's not a big deal means it's a big deal. You know, I'm like, okay, so you know me, whatever. (laughs) I'm a therapist. I can read people. (laughs) But you know what? Even though Carrie gets along well with her therapist, if you don't, BetterHelp makes it so easy for you to switch therapists because you do want that connection when you're going through therapy, when you're sharing these intimate details and working through all of that trauma and all the stress, all of that. You don't want to have the added stress of, I don't feel like this person gets me. Right. And with BetterHelp, like Donna said, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. And I think that's super important because sometimes when you go to a group of medical professionals, you're not allowed to switch providers within that group. Well, with BetterHelp, you can. The app is super user-friendly. It's easy to set up appointments with your therapist, send messages to your therapist, the whole shebang. So you got to check this out. Go to betterhelp.com slash APC to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash APC to get 10% off your first month. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com slash APC to get 10% off your first month. All right, so for my story this time, I'm doing something a little different. Y'all know that I love that website, All That's Interesting, right? And I had no idea what I wanted to do for my story this week. So I was like, let me go peruse All That's Interesting because it's a really, well, interesting website. So I go to the true crime section and this pops up and y'all, I was hooked. Like somebody said something while I was reading the thing and I was like, oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) That I believe. (laughs) Because I was so in it. So we're going to talk about the SS Dumaru. Now I've also heard it pronounced differently, but this is what we're going to go with because, well, this is how they said it on a podcast I listened to. And they were like British, so you know they know how to say things. (laughs) So obviously we're talking about a ship. Do you know what the SS stands for when you're talking about a ship? No. That it's a steamship. Oh. I know. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. All of that is like an indicator of the USS 
blah 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 is like it's a United States ship. It, yeah. It's like a um the RMS whatever. It's like whatever that stands for. Russian. Ship. No, it's like um. <laughs> I don't remember, but there's, and then there's one that's like the, like Queen's Mail or so, I don't know. Like they all stand for something. Yeah. Well, I mean, I figured that it stood for something, but I sure didn't know it was yeah. a steamship. Me neither. Makes sense. Just like last week, we're going back in the day. Picture it. It's 1918. Almost as old as my story. And mine last week. I know. Okay. The SS Dumaru was a wooden ship that was, because picture it, we're like, World War One, all the things. And so people are trying to make ships quickly to replace other ships. Now, wait, so it was a wooden ship, but it was steam powered? Yeah, girl, I don't know, but it was. I don't get anything. <laughs> There's going to be some details on this story that you're like, they did what? Because <laughs> coal is not steam powered, right? That's like coal powered. <laughs> no, I, I don't fucking know, Donna. Don't ask me things I don't know the answer to. But I do think there was coal on this ship, so possibly. I don't know why I said it so weird. <laughs> okay. So it's 1918. Clearly, this is not like Pirates of the Caribbean style. This is after like the Titanic sank and all that. So yes, there are metal ships. They're like welded and all these things. But with it being basically during World War One, they had to crank these ships out quickly. So they were continuing with the wooden ships. But it wasn't long before they basically weren't making these anymore. But the problem with the SS Dumaru is that it was actually built really poorly. Because they were trying to get these out so quickly that the ship's wood wasn't even, like, dried out and treated. They didn't treat the wood that they made the ship with? Correct. Okay, even I know that's not right. Right? I'm like, how'd y'all even, like, bend it and stuff to make, Yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. And maybe I'm just picturing this, but I'm picturing like very green wood used to make this ship. So the people who are going to be on this ship were not super excited about being part of this voyage. Well, no, because it sounds doomed from the start. On April 17th, 1918, when the SS Demeru was making its maiden voyage, it was launched in Portland. But here's the thing. As it was being launched into the water, the whole process went too quickly and the SS Demeru actually crashed into a couple of houseboats on that river. What? Right. So all of the people who were on the vessel were like, holy shit, this is an omen. Like, this is bad. Like, yeah, this is bad. Yeah. Because, you know... Seamen, I feel like, are very superstitious. 1,000%. But I feel like that's also how all of this was figured out. I mean, red sky at night, sailor's delight, orange sky in the morning, sailors take warning or something. No fucking clue. You've never heard that? No. The saying is, red sky at night, sailor's delight, red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. Because it, it has to do with, like, the tides and the rain and shit i don't know yeah but all of that came about because think about like fucking magellan out there figuring out how to make a map yeah for sure i mean so i feel like that's why those superstitions have continued yeah it's how they made it back safely so the ss Dumaru went from san francisco in september went to hawaii and then set sail for guam now originally this ship was supposed to carry goods like food and shit like that but change of plans they decided to make it 
cargo with um, gasoline, dynamite, and like ammunition. Okay. On a wooden ship. Okay. On October 16th, SS Dumaru left Guam and was heading for Manila. As she's leaving Guam, a big storm rolls in. They're only about 20 miles off of the coast of Guam when lightning strikes the ship. Now, when the lightning hit, it sparked a fire at the front of the ship, igniting all of that flammable cargo. So after the ship caught on fire, they set out the abandoned ship call. So there were three vessels, little like a a life raft and two lifeboats that the people on the ship could get on. Now the the ship wasn't super full. There's only like, I don't know, 50 people on there. It wasn't like a, you know, cruise. Did they learn from the Titanic and those three could carry all of them? Yes. Okay. Now, of course, some people kind of stayed on the ship trying to like put out a distress signal, you know, do all the things. Well, as they're trying to send out the distress signal, lightning strikes again and strikes like the basically the pole sending out the distress signal and like shocks the guy trying to send it out. Holy shit. I mean, this literally is Murphy's Law. Like, everything is going wrong. So with that second strike of lightning, more things are catching on fire. So the people who were staying on trying to, like, wrap up some things are now jumping off the ship, swimming out to the life rafts who are now, like, pedaling the fuck away from this sinking, burning ship that is full of explosive devices. Oh, my gosh. Also, all I picture is when Ursula gets really mad on the Little Mermaid. And like yes. that always terrified me. Yes. It was, now, while the people did learn from the Titanic in that the vessels could hold the right amount of people, the men on the ship did not separate themselves evenly into the boats because it was like every man for himself, jump on a boat, swim to a boat, like whatever you can do. So there was one lifeboat that had nine people in it with 20 seats. And there was one that had, I think, like 14 people. And then one that had 32 people. Oh my gosh. So at this point, too, because they're just paddling so quickly away from the ship, all three of them kind of get separated to make their way downtown on their own. Yeah. When the life rafts basically got like a mile away from the ship, all the hell broke loose. They could see it catching on fire the dynamite and all of that blowing up yeah like a huge explosion yes exactly what you think would have happened now remember they're not very far off the shore of guam so this shouldn't take them very long to kind of float back over towards guam to be safe the first life raft that was not even close to being full they were picked up and found within nine days nine days yes The life raft that had the bulk of the crew had a much different fate. So the men in the boat are rowing. They're rowing and rowing and rowing, trying to get to Guam because they can see it. But as they're getting closer and closer, the wind changed directions and caused a current to basically shift that boat in the wrong direction and completely change their course and sent them back into the ocean. Then later, I don't know how quickly this happened because nothing said like the timeline on this part, but I do know when it happened, they were completely out of sight of the ship that had gone down. So I don't know how far out they were or how many days it had been at this point, but another ship passed them. 
they were like, oh my God, like they can see us. They had a guy that kind of shimmied up to like wave a flag. They were all waving, trying to get the attention of this other ship that was passing and it kept going. No. It never saw them. Oh my God. One, how did you not see them though? I don't know. Like you have a guy on a lookout, I feel like. Yeah, especially in 1918. Yeah. So at this point, it had been a week. The men were getting very weak, very hungry, and very thirsty. They did have some supplies on the life rafts. What they were having to do is ration it out. The men were allowed like two teaspoons of water and essentially a cracker every single day. Oh my gosh. I cannot imagine the turmoil that was going on. If they're anything like me and you, we get hangry. Well, and you have to think too that these men are out in the middle of nowhere with essentially no shade. So they're getting blistered. They have no water to replenish them from getting scorched in the sun, sweating. Dehydrating, Mm -hmm. yeah. Their, you know, their lips are getting really chapped. Some of them are even blistering and some of them are even burned from the actual fire too. So you have, I mean, it's like literally insult to injury. Like it's the worst possible conditions. Yeah. Not to mention this boat is actually overfilled. As they started making their way into the 13th day of being on this boat, some of the men started having a harder time. And there was one man that was really struggling and was like, I'm going to die on the 13th day. Like, I know I'm going to die. Like, this is going to happen. And it was like he had convinced himself, because again, they're so dehydrated and malnourished at this point that, you know, some hallucinations, they're seeing mirages, they're seeing all kinds of things. And he did on the 13th day die. Oh my gosh. And then they put his body into the water as like a burial at sea. Now, it was also, like I said, 1918. And the first man to die was a black man and like a lot of the descriptions that you'll see it's like it always talks about like oh this this person was from hawaii or this person was black or this person was this you know so you also have to keep in mind what was probably going on on that ship too because it was a very diverse group yeah. in 1918. And it sounds like some of that wasn't even put to the side, you know, because it was like, wow. it was still like, whose rank is what? And, you know, yeah. who's a person of color? Who You know, that type of thing. Ugh. We're trying to survive here, peeps. Right. Those things should never fucking matter, but they damn sure don't right now. Exactly. So the more that the days passed, the water tanks that they had were starting to empty. And to the point where they were actually empty. Oh my gosh. Now the one that had nine, they made it and they're fine. Uh Uh-huh. Ugh, that is so terrible. But I mean, I know that they had like went away from each other, you know, and stuff. But, like, they didn't come back and try to find these people? I'm sure they did. But, again, what were the search efforts like in 1918 with the, like, literal the first World War ever happening? True. What could their search efforts be? Like, they were making ships out of untreated wood to try (laughs) to keep up, you know? True. Day 17 is when things got really bad. The water was out. The crackers were out. Well, they call them hard tacks. And I saw that basically described as like a cracker. It hadn't rained. So there was no way to save water. Wow. So some of the people started to drink 
the salt water. Oh, God. And that dehydrated them more, huh? No, it killed them. Oh. Yeah. Because basically, they were already so dehydrated, and then your kidneys can't... Because I was like, I looked this up. I was like, why the hell can't you drink this salt water? And it was basically saying, like, your kidneys can't filter it out. I, I mean, that was just like the very simplistic Google answer. I'm sure there's something way more complicated, but it did kill them. Eventually, they got the idea to evaporate the salt water. So you like evaporate the salt out of it, right? Yeah. So this is where, okay, there is an article from Popular Science in June 1919. And I am just going to tell you what this says, because this is where I was like, I don't understand what the fuck they did. So they had basically like a saltine can from back in the day for their hard tacks. They had that container. They had a pipe from the bailing pump and the empty water tank. They filled the tin with brine and then they made basically steam by trying to build a fire under the tin in a bucket. So they took some of the ores that they were using to make the fire, but it like it went out super fast and it wouldn't create the steam. So they're like, well, what the fuck do we use now? Oh, let's use our shoes. So they used their shoes to make the fire last longer. Well, it worked, but it only gave basically each person one swallow of water. Oh my gosh. So it was like all this effort for this one swallow of water. Yeah. And it was enough to kind of help wet their lips that were so dry and black and, you know, blistered and all the things. I can only imagine because we all know that I get very dry mouth and that's all I can think about. It's uh, like, yeah. I need water right now. Yeah, this story is, it's so intriguing and it's so like fascinating, but like, I also feel a little like I can't breathe. Yes. Because the thought about every single night that they were out in the ocean, it is so pitch black and they, I, I mean, just like, not knowing what's around them. You know, they had some dolphins kind of rolling with them, but they would see sharks. They would see all these things. And it's like, they just didn't know, like they had no idea what was to come or when they would get water and they were completely out. Oh my gosh. So like I said, dolphins had started following the boats around at night. And so one of the guys was like, what if we try to catch one of, like we try to catch the dolphins to eat them? No. I mean, I know. Yes. But like, yeah. Mm Hmm. So they tried a couple of different ways, but basically, I don't know what a bailing pump rod is or how they had so many tools on this vessel, or really, I don't even understand how big it is, because I'm picturing, like, the rowboats that they had in, on the Titanic movie. Right, yeah. But, like, they, I think it had even, like, a sail to, I, I don't really understand how this boat was set up, because it seems like they actually had a lot of things on there, because they were able to, like, heat up this pump rod and kind of make like a hook for it and they actually caught three dolphins now the first one they tried to boil it and i'm like how the fuck are they on this like wooden boat like boiling all this stuff and using their shoes for fire and all that but they had canisters that they were doing and i don't think they got like ooh a rumbling boil like i don't think it was that great but they were able to kind of cook it in that but it wasn't good. Like it was how it was like boiled in the salt water made it kind of make them sick. Oh God. The other two, they just ate them raw. This is like my worst fear. You know, I cannot do any of this. I know. And why I chose this story without thinking that um, I'm telling you this right before you go on a cruise was really in poor taste. But in my defense, I was halfway through this story before I realized what I was doing. But she's not a mean person. Mm hmm. No, really, this is really stupid of me. (laughs) 
But the dolphin actually really helped them because it had enough fat, no um, water to it. Oh. Like that it actually, moisture, I guess is the word I'm trying to say, that it actually helped them for a little while. I was just thinking the fat part because I watch uh, Alone where they're like alone in a mountain and they're having to do this. And the why I watch it because it grosses me out half the time of what they have to cook and like, you know, all of that. And like how these people are doing. And yeah, like they'll get the fat and like save that for, you know, like when they need extra calories and yes. all of that. So on the 24th day. 24? There had been nothing. No rain. No water. Nothing. Sidebar, that that saying that there was no rain for the 24 days was in the popular science magazine. But um, I did see some other stuff that said it did actually rain one time and they were able to collect some. But then there was like this one dude that was like trying to drink it all. And oh, of course, th- there was some mutiny aboard. Just oh, know yeah, that for there sure. was, I mean, you got this many personalities starving, thirsty, dying. Like there was some shit going down. Yeah. There were some sources that said that there was some rain. But anyway, day 24 and they see land. Oh my gosh. In the midst of all of this, they like overthrew whoever was in charge and was like, this other guy took charge and was like, okay, fuck this. We're not trying to go to Guam anymore. We're going the other direction to the Philippines. And it was like a 1300 mile trek. But anyway, they see land. Like I said, it's the Philippines. They had made it. But like, they're really fucking far away. Like they see it. Yeah. And then they're also like, is this another mirage? But (laughs) also fucking land. Right. But the problem is, okay, you I know you never saw, or did you ever see um, Castaway? Yeah. Okay, you know how on Castaway, his hardest thing to be able to get out to sea to be able to be found was that he had to get through those huge waves and then it would level back off? Yeah. Well, that's what they had to do too. Because right before, like before you get into the shore and from like the deep sea, they had to go through all of these huge choppy waves. As they're trying to get through these waves, the boat gets hit hard and it flips over oh my god all of these men are thrown out of the boat and under them is coral reef i almost said if it's coral reef like these people have the worst luck ever one thing said it was poisonous coral reef but that i only saw that in one um article but yes so all of these men are getting thrashed around in these huge waves against this hard pokey cut you to pieces coral reef and their skin's already blistered and all of that and they're weak and so they can't fight and all of that and two of the men actually died during this part but eventually 14 of the men had actually survived and they made it to land Oh my gosh. Now, of course, this is big news and more than half of the men had actually died during this time. But apparently in 1930, a man by the name of Lowell Thomas published a book where more potential truth came out about their time at sea. And it was called The Wreck of the Dumaru. A story of cannibalism. Oh, no. This is giving me Yellow Jacket vibes. That show on, I think, Showtime or whatever, where they, it was like the soccer team or something yeah. like that. That was like shipwrecked or not shipwrecked, whatever. Yeah. Um, And then it's like, they all, like, 
not all of them survived, but like you don't really know what happened out there. Right. And, and, and we'll never truly know because, you know, was it an unwritten pact that they didn't talk about this? And then one person broke the code of silence. We don't know. Did it really happen? We don't know. But we know that on day 18, four men died. One of them was the first engineer and that he had actually told them, when I die, eat my body. Like, save yourselves. Like, I'm dead. Save yourselves. I almost said, I wonder why they don't eat the man that they like pushed out to see, you know, but then I didn't think that they had a way to make a fire and all of that. And so I'm like, well, a lot to, you know, but not saying that cannibalism is right, but this is survival. And if those people have already passed, like you're not killing them for food. That's a whole different thing. But like people who did not survive, but like you have the chance to, again, now this would be terrible i don't know i don't know what i would do i like i don't know just because oh god i i truly don't know what i would do with no end in sight and i don't know but remember how i told you that it's a very diverse group that's on this ship in 1918 and so there's a a guy that kind of takes the fall for the cannibalism and he's referred to as george the greek sailor So, like I said, he kind of takes the fall for being the one that had, like, taken this hatchet from the captain and was like, no, y'all, we have to eat them. And, like, started cooking a body with, like, you know how I told you they had the fire and all that, and started, like, boiling the body parts and dismembering and all of that. So, this the Greek sailor, George, is the one that allegedly started this whole thing. Yeah, but if you take part in it, it's the same. Right. And y'all survived. Again, cannibalism, not okay. But it's like, these are extreme measures. Mm -hmm. There was a lieutenant, E.V. Holmes, that was like, kind of helping George. It was like, okay, wash them in the ocean and how to like, try to help cook them and all it's it kind of it makes my stomach hurt a little bit so I don't really yeah. want to go into it a lot yeah my um, stomach was hurting with the dolphin part. right now with this it's like yeah no mm-mm. now some people say that some of the men actually died by suicide because they, they knew that they were about to die and they would have rather been eaten by a shark than eaten by their friends oh my gosh but again how true is that We don't know. But what we do know is if that wind had not changed the direction of that boat, that those 32 people would not have been lost at sea for weeks. Wow. So you know how I told you about like the book and then there's this article in the Popular Science. Does Popular Science have like, is it popular? And then it's like popular mechanic, popular science, popular. Because every time you're saying that, I'm like, no, it's popular mechanic. Is that a thing? I swear that's a magazine. I don't know. But the article in Popular Science was written by uh, Theron Bean. And he's the one that said he was the one making the distress call. And he had to swim and all that. So he kind of paints himself in like this heroic light. Yeah. So some of this, again, could be kind of inflated for people. I don't, I mean, I truly don't think that there was any cannibalism but there's literally an entire book about it and I, I don't know what do you think I can't judge them if it was cannibalism you absolutely know? not I, I, I mean can't. I, I want to this is why I know we've talked about this before but this is why I wish that freaking divergent was 
real life so that you could put yourself in these situations to see what you would actually do, but then like you could actually come out of it, you know? Yeah, it's not real life. It's just hypothetical. Yes. Like immersion kind of feel. Because I don't know how I would be. I know I would be chaotic and I know oh, I would God. be like, you know, on First Wives Club when um, Diane Keaton's character is like, ah, and they like slap her. Like I would be that yeah. <laughs> for moments. And then other moments I would be the one slapping you being like, calm the fuck down. Yeah. But I do believe that there was a lot of issues on that ship because there were so many people in a cramped place with not enough room with differing diversities that did not mingle well with one another in sometimes today's world, but damn sure not 1918. And that you did have different rankings from the actual ship that they carried over into the lifeboats. And so I just... There was a lot happening. Yeah. And it would be very easy to blame someone that had died on anything. You Mm -hmm. know, who who was this Greek George and did he survive or was he, you know what I mean? Like, so are you just putting it on this person because they passed away and then I, I don't know. Yeah, no. Look, I can't judge them for anything they did besides that man who took all the water and stuff. Don't do that. Ever. And apparently there was a father-son on the ship and like the dad was giving his ration to his son and stuff like that. So like there were some really good stories that came out of it. And then there were some really awful, awful things that came out of this too. Yeah. And I think that that's true to the human spirit. Like there are going to be situations where you really do get the worst out of people and they're going to be situations in which you get the best and sometimes Mm -hmm. that's the same situation yeah because people's true self comes out yeah well y'all let us know what you think about donna's story was it truly a stand your ground situation do you feel like he should have just gotten a year or do you feel like he should have gotten more time in prison what do y'all think about this ship this accident did you know that the ss stood for steamship Probably everyone did besides us. Literally, I Googled all the other things, like how I said, like, oh, the RMS Titanic, and I couldn't remember. I Googled all that before we did this. Can't remember any of them. (laughs) Thank y'all so much for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review all the things on all the places, including Spotify, because now you can review on Spotify. So don't forget to do that. And we have polls. We have, you know, questions, all the things, all the time. Thank y'all so much for supporting us. And remember, creep it real and don't get scared. scared.